1: So let's get to our guest now. Gitu Sharma is founder and investment manager at Alpha's Future with us from Minneapolis. So, so much volatility. And I do want to start with the Europe story as we're seeing uh, the pressure here for the Prime Minister Trust to cut spending and win back the confidence of investors. We've seen such volatility, such a fall coming through in the pound. Just on a broad level, how do governments sort of kind of walk back from like this when they've seen uh, such an impact to investor confidence?
2: I think the governments um, across countries are uh, really in a difficult position with uh, you know they want to adopt fiscal policy, which is uh, which fuels consumption, supports demand, pro- provides support to the consumers, while at the same time they're battling inflation, which is uh, which is quite high. We saw the data from Europe today. Um, it's uh, it's gone it's gone to double digits. And at the same time, we have central banks who are uh, trying to raise rates and tighten financial conditions to control that inflation. So um, it is a difficult balance. And, um, you know, with with all the fiscal stimulus that is coming through uh, in Europe, in UK, and um, possibly in US as well, you talked about the fiscal response for um, Hurricane Ian in Florida. So it's uh, the rebuild of Florida, Florida will effectively be inflationary, so it means that quantitative tightening will have to go on longer and faster, and mm. um, it's it's possible that we might see increased systemic risks in the market as we saw in the case of UK.
1: Yeah, and we heard as well from some of the Fed speakers saying that the volatility that's been caused by the UK by Europe won't cause the Fed to pause its tightening campaign. At what point does a U.S. recession or potential recession stop the Fed from raising rates?
2: I think as of now, uh, the Fed is not going to think about recession risk because um, while the data in the U.S., economic data in the U.S. is slowing down, it's not slowing down at the pace that the Fed uh, expects. Like we we got weekly um, claims today, which were much uh, lower than expected we have um, stronger consumer sentiment. So, while some of this data is weakening, but it's still holding up pretty well to, uh, you know, for the Fed to stay hawkish, because um, at the end of the day, again, inflation is high, and they need to, uh, for credibility reasons, just like we saw in the UK with Bank of England, they cannot, uh, at this moment of time, uh, stop being hawkish. Um, and they need to bring the inflation concerns down before it, uh, before the long-term inflation expectations actually start rising.
1: So we've been talking about uh, the crisis in Europe, uh, what's happening in the UK, and of course what is happening in the US as well, and Denise mentioning Hurricane Ian, which you touched on before. When it comes to all these inflationary pressures, do you think we're at a point where we have reached peak inflation, and when do I guess price pressures start to ease somewhat?
2: It's possible that we We have reached peak inflation because we are seeing uh, the uh, oil price uh, has come down quite a bit from the peak in June, July, and um, possibly the supply chain challenges are also normalizing a bit and some of the pandemic-related peak uh, high demand is is normalizing. But I think it's hard to say whether the... um, whether inflation will actually come down fast enough to um, to the Fed's 2% target. Uh, we may not see that um, pace of decline because, um, you know, the risks to inflation, I think, are still significant as we still have the energy crisis in Europe and it's getting worse. Um, the um, geopolitical tensions are rising. And given how, how tight the labor market is, um, so it's, uh, it's possible that uh, inflation rates stay high, though not go, uh, peak above the um, 9% that we saw earlier in the year. Um, the, the
1: tight labour market certainly one thing, and we're looking at the the cost of wage increases there too. But what about at the other end, when you've got mortgage rates in the US at these 15-year highs, fresh pain for home buyers, and the impact there to a lot of the discretionary spending that perhaps people had saved during the pandemic. At what point does
2: the consumer really start to feel
1: this, and we do see a deep recession?
2: Absolutely. I think home affordability in the U.S. is uh, going down pretty rapidly and we are seeing uh, a sharp slowdown in housing in the housing market. But at the same time, we are not seeing the risk of big leveraged um, leverage driven declines because the consumer is not as leveraged as it was uh, in the case of the financial crisis so uh while um, the house prices are coming down they're still way above pre-pandemic levels and you have to think so while uh, we are seeing high mortgage rates making it difficult for consumers to buy new homes right now at the same time we still have shortage of supply in in the market so um and um, uh, you know it's not that we have a lot of inventory so mm. It's, when we're looking at 5%. asset, sorry,
1: when we're looking at asset prices, and particularly we're looking at these uh, multi-year lows on on currencies, for example, with the the dollar strength, and then equities basically trading globally around pandemic levels, what
2: looks attractive to you? So. Um... At the end of the day, I think the U.S. market remains uh, relatively more attractive, and the reason is that um, you know U.S. dollar is uh, is a safe haven, and U.S. market has uh, more defensive stocks than or um, more defensive sectors than anywhere else. I think international markets are attractive from a valuation perspective, but they are also very cyclical, and unless we see a strong uh, economic environment. Uh, which gives support to their currencies and, uh, and the economic environment. Uh, the international markets are actually, um, uh, you know, uh, the strong US dollar is actually a big headwind for international markets and, uh, and also high inflation is, is a drag for consumer spending and corporate profits locally. So I think we have to be, uh, our recommendation to investors is across markets to be selective looking for individual opportunities where companies have resilient business models and pricing power and have low leverage balance sheet risk um i think investors have to stay diversified defensive uh, quality focus mm. and uh, um yeah not try to catch a falling knife
1: always good advice all right gitu thank you and have a great weekend gitu sharma is founder and investment manager at alpha's future on the line from minneapolis for us here on bloomberg daybreak asia